0: Two Darker Corners, the best and only Justice League Dark Show. This is the JLD Origin episode. I'm the host, Nick Antoine. I have all the time in the world. All of it. Old business. I hope you're watching the new Constantine show on NBC. Friday nights, check your local listings. New business. Stay warm, people. It's getting chilly out there. Justice League Dark Number Zero, Young Bastards. Written by Jeff Lemire. Pencils by Lee Garbit. The inks were handled by Cam Smith, Jack Purcell, Scott Hanna, and Walden Wong. Pete Pantazis, P-A-N-T-A-Z-I-S, was the colorist. It was lettered by Rob Lee whilst the cover was drawn by Ryan Souk. The associate editor was Katie Hubert. whilst the main editor was Brian Cunningham. Excuse me. <clears throat> More morning recordings. And so here we have it, the introduction of this team, but not the entire team. We get John Constantine on the cover here, one of the pages from within the issue. I believe all of the zero issues. Sorry about that I believe all of the zero issues are done that way, uh, where there's just an image from inside the book. I had thought that it was some compendium of of images, but it's it's clearly I remember seeing this inside the issue, um, and whoever is going to be talked about in that zero issue bursting forth from the center, in this case, flames uh, going about their their uncharable business. Uh, setting the, the cover on fire, or just making way for John Constantine to hear his Johnny, as it were. So, we are we are a few, quite a, f- a few years before the events of the previous issues. Um, as far as issue 12 was leaving us off arc-wise for Justice League Dark, we were gearing up to some some big events, some big events. you don't know what those are, go back and read them, because they're great issues. But we get a mirroring of, I want to say, well, there's a couple of instances where this happens, but I believe it's issue 9 of Hellblazer, uh, with John coming into the country and getting his uh, duty-free box. Instead of having that particular situation go down, he just he jokes around about some stuff, but what I do want to point out is the image, the cover image uh, that was used for the Twitter account uh, for the show, Four Darker Corners as well as it for nothing else just being the, a callback to the hellblazer days he's wearing a, a shirt for a band We only see the UC and the EMBR EMBR yeah but it's mucous membrane that was that was a band that the fictional character John casadine was a part of um, in the hellblazer days it was spoken about uh, prior to the events of the first issue and in the new 52 post flashpoint Um, we're finding here that even at this earliest incarnation of John um, and pre being really adept at the magical arts he um, he was in a band, in a punk band. More ties for this character to the real life character that was Mr David Bowie or really Sid Vicious at the time given uh, the Easter eggs that I went into in that particular episode of Constant Tome. But here we are, we get a little bit of a, a mirroring of the 2000's uh, Constantine film starring Keanu Reeves as well as um, within the Hellblazer issues this idea of using, as it's called here, quote-unquote name conjuring uh, holding up a blank piece of paper or something akin to the psychic paper in Doctor Who you hold it up to someone and and a person that's on the proper wavelength that's their eyes are attuned uh, to the proper frequency that they can see certain things that most people would just see you know absolute nothingness or something completely different the wrong answer as it were so instead of having it be something having to do with images something that's akin to tarot cards the way that it was portrayed in the film here it's just a name before we get to that um, what I did want to get into was this bar, the Oblivion bar. Now, the name had sounded familiar to me. Of course, the word Oblivion is familiar. Um, I was going to say for one such as me, but for anyone, I guess they they would know the word Oblivion, especially if they know anything, you know, if they saw any of the Hellraiser movies or, you know, they read a book, whatever, however you came across the word. Uh, but I felt like I had seen it somewhere before. And I couldn't put my finger on it, and after a cursory amount of, of research, I found it was DCUO, the uh, DC Universe Online, uh, that awesome game, I love that game so much, I can't put my finger on it, but I love it, um, but it was a location, it was a location in that, in that game, but within the continuity of the graphic novels, uh, the bar itself was a, a trans-dimensional bar, that funnily enough was a place that was a hangout for, for magical practitioners and specifically was the headquarters of the Shadow Pact now I've brought this up in previous episodes of Dr. Corners um, I brought up the uh, Trenchcoat Brigade in in the Constantome podcast but this one has its ties to John Constantine in a specific way now They've had many different incarnations, uh, three that I can think of. The first appearance, though, was in Day of Vengeance, number one, from June 2005. It was created by Bill Willingham. He was the writer and the artist. I'm always giving props to people that are pulling double duties, because it's not easy. It's not easy. Although there were founding members that are known to people that are really heavily into the DC universe, or the DC multiverse, so there's Blue Devil, might be a little bit more prevalent. Uh, Detective Chimp, Nightmaster, Ragman, Nightshade, but who has a, a specific tie to the Justice League Dark specifically, the New 52, is Enchantress, a, a one Miss June Moore, an individual who has, um, any, I guess you could say, an even tighter relationship with the Justice League Dark as a whole, with this new incarnation, the New 52, the post-Flashpoint, is Zoriel, who's a later member, Z-A-U-R-I-E-L His character begins in the Phantom Stranger series and then crosses over into Justice League Dark um, for various reasons that I will not spoil here but the fact that John's journey starts at the place that was the headquarters for this group of people that really were the precursors to the Justice League Dark uh, as it's stated here, quote-unquote, as a part of the holy triumvirate of the Internet. Um, they are a sort of Justice League for the supernatural elements of the DC Universe. Um, like, the, like the Justice League, like the Trenchcoat Brigade, um, these, these people kind of come together when it's necessary to fight against things that are, you know, preternatural. You know, werewolves, vampires, demons, angels, um, ghosts, things that are from within this particular universe but from another dimension in the universe, as opposed to fighting super universal problems, something that the Green Lantern Corps would be in charge of, you know, things that are within the universe but far-reaching areas of the universe, or something that's trying to breach between universes. The idea with most religions is that the plane of existence for those religious beings, those religious entities, is within our universe, but just on another dimension. I'm sorry, within another dimension on our plane of existence. So we would be able to perceive it if we could perceive that particular dimension. Um, People like these individuals, these individuals in the shadow pact, it's their job to look for those bizarre things and, and fight them. And for the most part, the people involved in the team, are they look like individuals that would be, you know, um, probably coming from said portals as opposed to trying to stuff things back into them. So this this club, even though it's, it's played in a very low-key way within the issue, you know, you see some people in the background and we get to... Uh, the character that's the focal point, it seems, for this uh, this trio of ragamuffins. Um, the, the location is quite important in the DC universe. Quite important. And it's got that the founding members of, of its importancy stretch far and beyond the flashpoint into this new incarnation of this universe. Um, the other important fact, or the, the important point that's worth pointing out, is the word that's used as the password Abraxas A-B-R-A-X-A-S Now, I feel like I actually knew an individual named Abraxas That was his name, and he wasn't Greek I don't believe when I want to say it was middle school uh, But I've definitely come across this word quite a bit in uh, my personal life not in uh, business life, as it were I consider school business stuff It is what it is It's a very, very, very old name It's the name of a deity but the bizarre thing about it is, or the beautiful thing about it is, it's not strictly tied to one religion or another. The word has continually popped up really throughout all religions, through, throughout all of time. Now, it seems like a bizarre statement to make, but just think of it like the names Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the names of prophets. Those are the names of the first four books of the New Testament. But they're, they're such common names, you know, Matt, Mark, or Marcus, Lucas, John, jonathan There's names. That yes, they have a beginning, and of course, those people, people had those names way before those those Gnostic books. Um, I'm sorry, those those religious texts. Uh, but at a certain point, it started to appear more often than not, and then it just became attributed to one particular religion. But it's 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 been a part of Judaism, uh, Islamic faiths hinduism there's been permutations of it everywhere you know the the northern europe uh, with you know jan or eon or yoan uh, with an i instead of a j you know i a n or i a o n um, or i guess i o a n just differing spellings uh, this this name of Braxis, um, it goes it goes far back uh, it's a, it's attributed to the abraxas stones which were used as amulets or charms um, it's so much. There's so much attributed to this. Um, some people believe that it's Braxis was both an Egyptian god and an Egyptian demon. Uh, this this idea that, that goes into um, the the Aleister Crowley belief system, as it were. Not not so much things that came after the fact, but like with um, his 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 confidant, his secretary, uh, Rigardi, uh, R. E., G-A-R-D-I-E um, and his book The Middle Pillar this idea that has been perpetuated throughout all of religious histories uh, all of religions histories yes the varying histories of different religions that there's this good and, and bad force in most religions that good and bad force is embodied by two different individuals who are in a constant fight, a constant battle the idea is of Braxis is the good and evil within one entity um, there's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot that you could go on. As I said, there's the Egyptian beliefs, there's the Greek beliefs, uh, some by uh, put forward by Hippolytus, um, there are Roman beliefs, uh, the idea that he's an aeon, um, or just one, one of those early, early beings that, for the most part, is is what an aeon is. Um, a E O N and Gnosticism. For the most part, it's it's like I'm always bringing up <laughs> in constant tone, the idea of a Brahmin. Um, the interpretations of God, manifestations of God, and Aeon, for the most part, it's the same thing. Uh, so you could look at uh, Jesus of Nazareth as an Aeon, because he's the quote-unquote son of God, as well as being the son of man at the same time, a Nephilim of sorts. Um, he Exists as a manifestation of the main deity in Christianity. But he's being represented through the form of a human being. That in essence is what an aeon is. There's a lot of this in history. You know, that's why I always bring it up. There's a lot of this this uh, sexual congress between deities and the creation. Um, a lot of uh, incest, uh, you know, deity, deital di- incest, as it were. Uh, the creator, the mother or the father going to the created in an attempt to spawn some new being. Uh, Abraxas is, for the most part, considered uh, one of the sources. Kind of like, um, I want to say it's I believe that's the name. Um, it's one of the one of the names on the Tetragrammaton. I trying to pull it up really quick but of course the internet likes to go at its own speed. Um, I just recently came across a new way to pronounce it. A new way to pronounce um, the theonym, as it were, of uh, Yahweh. Because for the most part, you know, we get Yahweh and Adonai as the names. Hold on, I thought it was going to pop up. But it really, really, really didn't. Um yeah cause I have, it, I have it written down somewhere else but I can't bring up those notes because I'll tell you this isn't a slight towards Apple at all but I will say after iOS 8 I've not been able to use Google Chrome the exact same way that I've been able to before which means there's, there's a ridiculous amount of lag time I'm not exactly sure how it's utilizing the flash memory like utilizing the RAM rather um, to to lock stuff around, you know, so you have certain images locked in and you're just, or a certain text spots locked in from the server and you're just calling up the images so those things might take a little bit longer to load, but the text itself is already loaded. That usually is what the case would have been in the past. Now recently for some reason the text doesn't even load and it tries to load the entire page. I know this is getting somewhat uh, technical, but it's an aggravation that I just cannot get past for the simple fact that it's been kind of messing with my recording process being able to flip between the graphic novels and my notes and the internet at the same time it's a crying shame but I digress Um, the character of Abraxas I don't want to give one definition because then that'll seem like it's the only definition and it could take me an hour and a half to go into exactly who the character is um, how could I speak about him? Well, there's there's definitive roots between the name Abraxas and the phrase abracadabra. Um, and that might seem like it's a bit of silliness, like oh, you know, anytime I hear the word abracadabra, it's it's probably something silly, something having to do with some kind of silly magic. Well, abracadabra is one of those funky words. If I'm not mistaken, uh, in in one of many different ways to actually write it out, it ends up becoming a palindrome. Um, hold on, I swear this this would be so much easier uh, if this wasn't. You know, and I, and I would use I would use the uh, which one call it, whatever the damn thing is called, Safari, but excuse me, nose problems. The weather's changing man, it's a goddamn shame. Um, The tabs are kind of funky in Safari. They load a little bit more efficiently, excuse me, they load more efficiently but for some reason if you close, like if you go from one tab to another it doesn't keep it loaded and that's a bit of a problem. So that you now have to load every single page every time you retouch a tab, whereas in Google Chrome, there we go, it's kind of got a a lag time of about, or at least it used to, three tabs. So, if you, oh, there we go. If you if you loaded something in some, you know, you open up four tabs, or you you open up three tabs, you load something, you know, you open up Google, you open up cnn.com you open up the economist you can switch between the three tabs and they won't reload because that information will be in the RAM uh, it'll be in the, in the storage memory you open up another tab then the, the oldest tab will refresh so you're not hogging the memory but I kind of go out of my way to make sure they don't, I don't have more than like two apps open at the same time when I'm recording so you would think there wouldn't be any problems with the, the Google Chrome thusly because it's just the Google Chrome and uh um, my uh, comic book reading app, as it were. But no, it not the case. Um, yeah, I was trying to find. Trying to find exactly. Yeah, it's Aramaic phrase. Abracadabra meaning I create as I speak, or I create like the word. Um, Yeah, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of background to that for abracadabra, but there's a close tie between abracadabra and Abraxas. Uh, apparently, it's it's through different forms of, of word magic, as it were. One of them being, yeah, using a word triangle. I was trying to remember the name, the exact name. Cause there's, there's a word for it and it's not word triangle I apologize for that it's it's under it's under it's it's a form of scrying Of casting bones as it were right. instead of casting bones you're writing symbols and you're writing the symbols in a particular pattern to see if there's a pattern within the pattern um, yeah that's it's just i I try to desperately to not Give up too much of the ghost when I'm talking about this stuff, and in the same token, not make it seem like I'm being shady about it. You know, tell you guys about cool stuff, but not tell you about everything. That'd be crazy talk. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of different beliefs. Uh, Samuel Sharp thought that it was an in- Egyptian invocation to the Godhead, which means, Hurt me not. Uh, the Greeks, uh, specifically Isaac de Bosobre, Derived the abrax, abrax, which is just another way of saying abraxis, from the Greek habros and sao, meaning the beautiful, the glorious savior. Uh, in literature, in the 1516 novel Utopia by Thomas More, the island called Utopia once had the name Abraxa, which scholars have suggested is a related use for a utopia. Um, as I mentioned, Alistair Crowley has, has used it as well as uh, regarding. Um, in, in Crowley's book, The Gnostic Mass, of Ecclesia Gnosticia Catholica, uh, it's a part of the incana- incantation. Um, specifically, to seems to Athanatos. Yes, it seems to be to Athanatos. Um, but the word abras- Abrasax is used within the incantation. I'm obviously not going to say the incantation here. That would be silly. Even though it's on one of the triumvirate of the internet. It's all a matter of focus. I've spoken about that before. My personal belief is people aren't normally visited by demons or other worldly spirits. But they can do things to make themselves feel grounded or centered or more focused in their daily life. And that's whether it's playing a game of Madden, I guess six fifteen by now madden fifteen you know or nba 2k 15 you know or it's going to church or it's going to a concert or it's going to a club or going to a bar or curling up with a good book at your home you know or watching television or watching a movie it's participating in something that's considered a group effort even though it might be displaced by time you're participating in a group effort that Allows you to push away all the weird stresses and thought patterns of the day or of the week or of of your life in general and focus on a particular idea. With the occult, you're focusing on an elemental truth of the universe, whether it's that there are the four elements, the four basic elements, you know, fire, water, air, earth, Uh, whether it's that thunder exists or the sun exists or that famine death and pestilence exists or birth and and creation exists like whatever it is that you're focusing on is to get your mind into into that mindset so that you can then walk down the path towards whatever goal you've set up for yourself whether it's to have more money in your life or to have more peace in your life or to push out the strife in your life you know whatever it is it allows you to focus on the goals you've set up the problem that I believe that a lot of people end up having is that they go out of their way to do things to focus themselves, but then they have no goals, so they feel lost. They feel like they have, they're, they're edified, but have nowhere to release that energy, or they feel completely drained and have nowhere to turn to. Uh, whatever it is they did as an edification tool, uh, because, or that's the case rather, because they didn't set any goals up for themselves in their waking hours. You know, their day-to-day lives. It's all just tools. It's all just tools. Uh, Carl Jung mentioned uh, the name of Abraxas in the Seven Sermons of the Dead, uh, his 1916 book. Salman Rusty mentioned it in his 1981 Midnight's Children. And I quote: "Abracadabra, non Indian word at all, a cabalistic formula derived from the name of the supreme God of the B- Basilidian Gnostics, containing the number 365, the number of the days of the year and of the heavens and of the spirits emanating from the God Abraxas." attributed to Salim Sinai, or Salim Sinai, depending on your uh, <laughs> your pronunciations of Mount Sinai. Um, just so you know, the ba- Basilides, um, specifically that the individual Basilides was a, a, a religious teacher of, of Gnosticism in Alexandria in Egypt. Apparently he taught from 117 to 138 CE. In the Common Era. And he claimed to have inherited all of his teachings of Gnosticism from Matthew, from the book of Matthew, that Matthew. Um, or he was either one of the pupils of Menander, hilarious enough, one letter off of Meander, or an interpreter of Peter named Glaucius. Uh, they, had a, they had a lot of different uh, beliefs. If I'm not mistaken with Gnosticism, the idea is you're not pushing away... You're not pushing away religions for the most part. With Gnosticism... Yes, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. um, For the most part, you're you're not paying attention to any new forms of religions that are popping up and that's within the, the last couple of centuries for the most part you're looking at the oldest religions possible trying to find a bunch of different similarities between them all and find a way to enhance yourself not only as a, a vessel but as as a participant in society and you can do it through you know like being a like a monk like uh, Living a monk-like lifestyle, you know, having, being in poverty, or or performing a form of abstinence, um, or or just being a philosopher and just quote unquote diligently seeking wisdom, um, but yes, for the most part, it's it's taking it to that next level. It's kind of being a monk or being a nun without a particular order. You can be a part of a Gnostic order. Okay, this is weird. Venn diagram going on here. But you have to supersede Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism uh, or, or, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism. You have to supersede that as your main religion in order to be considered a Gnostic. Uh, you, you have to take the aspects of those religions and try and find the commonalities between them all so that you can be better fit within the grand cosmic scheme of things. But yes, that, that name of Braxis that's just kind of thrown off, it's just cast to the side as just, oh, this is just a password is a very powerful word in in the occult and the fact that it's used to gain to gain access, to gain entry to this this focal point of of this plane of existence, how you can have so many different magical entities ending up at the oblivion bar from different points. Across the universe doesn't even have to be on the same planet, but across the universe end up in the same location. Um, it it falls into that metaphysical conversation that ends up happening in speculative fiction when it comes to areas being outside of the bounds of time and space. So one of the it's one of my favorite aspects of any any bit of storytelling that you can that you would have a diner a diner that you could frequent for for characters. Um, within speculative fiction there's there's one of the ideas of time travels with paradoxes anyways is the idea that you can have a, a place be a paradox for instance you could have a diner that's built in 1924 and you walk into the diner in 2014 and it looks like it's still 1924 and it's because some event occurs let's just say in 1954 you know 30 years after it was built that causes it to disappear and kind of be in this perpetual loop of existing for 30 years between 1924 and 1954 so it looks like it's all the same wait staff or it's this revolving group of wait staff that's always there and the same owner um, just because of some horrid event whether you know the place blew up in 1954 and the place now is resonating on a different frequency or some bizarre preternatural event occurred that caused it to be pulled out of time whatever explanation you want to use for the story the idea is now that you have this time bubble from 1924 to 1954 that's accessible to any point in the past or future around that event so long as the the places around that event vibrate at the proper frequency so being in the same location perhaps walking in the front door of the same location even if the location is now a completely different building or it's a, a hollowed out burnt out crater in the ground um, if it's a particu- the particular day that the building disappeared, then now you can enter uh, on that day. Even though it's 2014, you can enter in on, you know, let's pick something pertinent to Constantin. uh, May 10th, 2014, you walk in and now you're inside, as it were, the Oblivion Bar. And it feels like it's 1943, you know. and It's just a coincidence that you're inside a place that's 80, 90 years removed from where you really were before you know, just a few steps back. It's it's just trying to put a metaphysical explanation onto the supernatural and preternatural things. Um the fact that this place that exists like this uses a name that's considered really borderline prehistoric. It seems as if this name existed on tablets before cohesive languages, you know, at the point of of you know, Sumerian Akkadian um what's the other word I'm looking for here Sumerian, Akkadian and um, I keep thinking Canaanite but that's a group of people, the Canaanites Um, oh why can't I think of the word Aramaic, there you go Um, a a language that supersedes multiple religions due to mercantilism it's understandable that that word that would have existed at that time and perhaps even before just as pictures uh, would be a word to connect so many different disparate peoples within the DC universe and so we get an introduction not only to the person who's going to start all this stuff off Nick Necro but Zatanna now I could go on to a whole thing about both Nick Necro and Zatanna but for the most part it would be all pre Flashpoint and I've kind of gone out of my way to not talk about pre Flashpoint instances and and, and adventures with these characters because they're just a, it's a different interpretation of that character. We're looking at a different universe's version of those characters. I will point out though at the bottom of page four, bottom right, looks like the Phantom Stranger is standing there. But I don't think that's the case. Could be wrong, but I don't think that's supposed to be him. Um, but yes, yeah, just pertinent information. And I brought it up in Justice League Dark before Was with Zatanna. Her father Zatar, uh, crazy stage musician musician magician um, he, he kept up that persona of oh yeah, just doing Houdini type stuff, but he was a formidable force um, uh, on the power level akin to dr fate he's up there he's up there um, and as far as it's concerned within this universe, I believe he's just missing like uh, most people believe that he is dead, but people in the know believe he's missing. And Zatanna uses backwards magic. I brought that up quite a few times in the Justice League Dark episodes of this podcast. Um, so these, these, these are the first instances where we're getting it. Um, of course, what Nick Necro is wearing must seem familiar. It's not a coincidence. And whether what he's wearing is actually the prize that Constantine was going after all along, <laughs> which I wouldn't put it past the character. Uh, or it was now his attention being shifted towards Satana, and seeing how powerful she was. And John, you know, stepping in, I mean, we get, we get it's a typical kind of story here. You know, you get a, a guy who comes in out of nowhere, gets seen as a usurper, saves someone's life, and then ends up becoming the object of, of affection for, you know, the, the the female protagonist, as it were. And then that, that causing some kind of a rift to, Be brought up between the two main characters, uh, or two of the three main characters rather, Um, and that's that's really what plays out. You know, John helps them out. He ends up getting wrapped up in their bizarre world. I gotta say though, the vampire on page eight, top left panel, looks an awful lot like uh, what's his name, Perlman, Ron Perlman, Uh, the Hellboy guy. I don't know. Looks like him. And it seems like they're fighting fairies or little imps or something like that. And one of the scenes it's it's they clearly are going about their business as if they're, you know, like falling like Ghostbusters or something like they're so used to it there's no reason to even act like it's anything out of the ordinary. It's just like, oh no, I gotta throw some bones. Gotta fight the good fight. And then we see them getting farther and farther away from each other. Um We'll say awesome awesome splash page on page 10 the two candles that are wrapping around the different panels they end on top of two separate buildings that are bookending uh, John and Satana as they as they perch on the ledge um, Nick Negro's chakras opened up during his moment of meditation they seem to be emanating from one of his own chakras uh, the one that would clearly tick the guy off if he was aware of it, and this is this is where the two of them start coming together, no pun intended. Uh, John and, and Zatanna. Oh. they this is where uh, yeah, it's Zatanna because Zatara is right. Zatara is the father, Zatana's the the, the the daughter. Um, where well, they start to see more like the truth within each other. And as much as I'd like for this not to feel so gosh darn cliche, it feels that way because it's, that's how life works. Like you don't want situations to feel awkward and be awkward. But because you can't just tell the truth in reality, because people don't like it, you have to beat around the bush. If as a dude, you just said to a woman, yeah, so, yeah, I want to fool around with you, but, you know, I just want to see how you are as a person first. Before we get there, you come off as some skeevy dude, but you're just being honest. So you have to act like, oh, no, we're just having this conversation because that's all that I'm thinking about. And vice versa, the woman has to act like you aren't thinking about that. So she has to act like she's got to give you the benefit of the doubt and that you're really interested in the conversation that you're having and and, and nothing else. I mean, of course, you'd be interested in the convo, but the idea that you're having that convo, that's... Trying to be more than just some kind of playful or you know above board convo and that it instead is something that's trying to attempt to go to somewhere um, we all we all do it we all have that kind of weird fake convo thing where everyone's waiting for the other person to either make the first make a move not the first move but make a move a particular move the, the move that says okay um and and the other person is is waiting to say okay. But if they're not given the avenue to say okay as opposed to saying no or putting up barriers, or if an individual doesn't make a particular type of move, if those roles are reversed, then the person that's supposed to say, Oh, okay, yeah, you know, let's fool around. If that person instead is supposed to be the one that says, Oh, this is what we're gonna do now, it changes the roles, it changes the game. And I still think that's quite fascinating quite an interesting game to play in life but the average person doesn't do that because they're not expecting what the next move is gonna be you don't have to think with your head when it comes to the matters of the heart you can just move on emotions and it's one of those it's one of those aspects of the game that's been there since the beginning of time it will always play out the same way if you just go with what feels right you'll find yourself down expected paths. Now, of course, as we see here, as was played out here, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right path. And because these two characters followed their heart, they set in motion the expected turnabout. And as they go to go help their wayward friend, they find that they themselves have been ensnared in a grander scheme. A grander scheme to seal, Mister Necros, place within their assailants' team. So now this this triumvirate fights against itself. More backwards magic. Uh, uh, shut up and go away. I guess it's a Tuspunagyawa, I guess. <clears throat> Doesn't seem right. Doesn't sound like it. Sound like that at all. Um, but a, a sacrifice is made, and I got to say, this page 18. It reminded me of a ghost. Um, I just I love that imagery of just individuals coming out of the shadows. In this case, uh, arms and, and talons coming out of the light, pulling someone away, um, and specifically their spirit, not just their whole body. I love that idea that they're pulling their essence away, but the the flesh is left behind, and that's that's quite important here. You know, the character of John Constantine is more concerned with the souls of humanity than he is with the flesh that humanity resides in, or that humanity is made up of. Why? I would assume because the flesh just has actions. Uh, The soul has motivations. The soul can change its mind. That collective, the collective uh, essence that is, or that are, the memories within us all, those memories inform our future decisions and thus is collectively called the soul. Uh, that is what he's concerned with, because you can still change your mind. You can ruminate on things and and believe that one path is the true path or the proper path for you, and have a change of heart. You know you can change your mind, as it were, and go into a different direction. But once you start walking, the flesh has already started doing something. It's 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 out of the control of the mind. Um, gravity takes hold. Centrifugal force becomes your slave master. Um, and the desecration that occurs here over these last couple of pages is evidence of why John Constantine's character continues to act the way that he does, as opposed to being respectful of the flesh. He's more concerned with the fate of the soul. And on the outside, looking in, if you're looking at it more of a specific analysis as as opposed to general or something shallow, you could look at it as uh, empathetic saying oh he's he's looking out for people trying to force them away from the darkness, not necessarily into heaven but just away from the darkness but anyone that's paying you know even more attention to of course the audience member not the characters within the story, they're just written, but the audience will will clearly realize that this is still a selfish act, even though on the outside it's it's something that's done in a selfless manner, the, his just his actions in the last couple pages alone show that he's just concerned with how he looks, as, as it were, and when you tie that over to the idea of saving one's soul, and not the soul of oneself, but the soul of others, or the souls of others, um, you start to see that there's nothing selfless about it. Um, the idea of being a quote-unquote Christian to be Christ-like you are not saving souls in the in with a hope that if you save X amount of souls from damnation you can step into the fiery gates of hell yourself that's not the expected goal If, if that was the reward for salvation then salvation would not be considered such a highly regarded prize amongst the religious the idea is on top of anything else you could end up doing as a Christian individual or a Catholic individual, saving the souls of others, other wayward uh, sheep, the, the wayward flock within the, the herd. It, by pushing them away towards darkness and towards the light, you, you are securing your place in heaven. You are coming off towards that higher deity or towards whatever it is that you pray to as an individual who's worthy of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you outwardly admit to that and say like, oh yes, that's why I've been doing this. Uh, I, I want I want to be in heaven. Or you're able to say, I just, I don't want to be in hell, so I'm doing this. You know, it, at, at a certain point, that's why it's being done. If, if, if the average person knew after all the proselytizing and all the praying, they were damned to hell they wouldn't spend their entire life attempting to make right with the Lord as it were Um, and I think that's that's what makes this character so fascinating is that he's damned to hell you know I haven't gotten to the end of constant Tome, you know the the, as it were the hellblazer graphic novels um, so I have no idea what ends up happening in the very end for the character but what I do know is them fighting desperately to get into the kingdom of heaven through uh, various attempts to save other people's lives it doesn't mean that he's a um, an empathetic individual somebody that's feeling for people on their level no it's quite the contrary he's, he's doing what every other religious individual is doing trying to secure their place outside of hell being able to look from the you know from the sky towards the ground and casting a, an eye down at the individuals who did not make it in, Yeah. If if again, I, again, I say just honestly, if that weren't the case, then there'd be an exponential amount of racist individuals. Um, well, not racist. I was going to say of religious individuals going out of their way to uh, not save people's souls and just work on themselves and everyone just be a monk or a nun. Um, But I guess we could continue with that Freudian slip. Um, If that weren't the case, then you would have a ridiculous amount of racist individuals who would just be accepted into into the the gates of heaven, as it were, um, because they're just looking after themselves and not attempting to look at other people. No, that thought process doesn't track. Because technically, if you keep going down that thought process, like I did with... Uh, of truth no, 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 I'm sorry I did that with the, the Morning Morningstar um, if this is all a big game then your choices don't matter in the end you are going to make that choice regardless because you are of the created or of the cre- I'm sorry, you are of the creator if you were of the created then that would mean that the creator whether it was a creator or creatress as it were um, they would just be the progeny of some other creator and that's a whole other conversation that we're not going to have here and now um, the theme of this issue I would say is determination it, 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 wholeheartedly um, Nick Necro was determined to find the books of magic I've gone into that in the other Justice League Dark episodes of uh, <clears throat> Darker Corners and I'm going to go into it more a little bit later in the series for the most part, because it's going to come up, it's going to be quite prevalent in this series, books of magic, um, as is the mythology behind Nick Necro, which I've gone into a little bit in previous episodes, but I'm definitely going to go into it more later. Um, <clears throat> but he was determined at any cost to get his hands on that information and, and use it to the best of his abilities, it didn't necessarily matter the cost. Uh, that that weighed upon other individuals. Uh, Zatana determined, to what it seemed, to uphold the name of the Z's, I guess, it, as it were, Zatanna, Zatara's, um, to make sure that people understood how important those characters were uh, in the magical world—not just stage magic, but the occult, because they're, they're they're equitable. I get to stage magic in a section in a second, um, and the determination of of John Constantine. Um, if if he wasn't determined to stay true to who what he is, which is really just the title of this issue, a young bastard, um, or at least one of them, uh, if he didn't stay true to to himself, then perhaps this could have been the final adventure of Zatanna and John Constantine. Um, given the circumstances, um, it's not a tenuous. It's not a tenuous. Theme to try and grapple onto for this particular issue. You look at who the antagonists were. Uh, these are individuals who are going to prop up their ugly heads again. They already have in the previous issues of Justice League Dark, but they're definitely going to come into prominence more as the series pushes forward. And they are nothing if not determined. Uh, they they definitely come up in the Constantine uh, solo series, which we're going to be getting to. People like I said, we're going in order because. A chronological thing if I just jumped ahead and started doing the Constantine issues they'd be like well wait a minute it's talking about the stuff like Rise of the Vampires which happened earlier on in Justice League Dark like issue starts with issue 7 I believe you know but then it also starts referencing stuff that happens around like really between like issues 13 and 20 of Justice League Dark you know I've pulled away from the Swamp Thing because that doesn't cross over into Justice League Dark anymore as it were um It just crosses between another series that has nothing to do with this particular uh, section of the DCU. Even though, yes, the green, the rot, and the red are interchangeable, it would kind of have to be its own little podcast, and I'm not doing a Swamp Thing podcast, there's there's no way. Uh, So it's been pulled back, kind of on a hiatus, it's done the 12 issues plus the 0 issue, you know everything you need to know about the character in the New 52, and now any other appearances he makes in Justice League Dark, it won't have to be justified. Because you know where his preternatural leanings um, lie. Where they lie, yeah. Um, but yes, the, the bad guys from this particular issue, we see here. They've been around for years, clearly determined to take down not only the the associates of Mr. Constantine, but Mr. Constantine himself, the Hellblazer. Um, and And, you know, whether you're reading... Uh, the Hellblazer issues and, and listening to Constantome, or you're just jumping on post Flashpoint. There are some things that have been going down in John Constantine's life uh, that have made him, in one way, shape, or form, an emissary of hell. Um, but this is all, like with most aspects of this character's history, some form of a long con on his part. To try and get what he wants out of the deal, which, at the end of the day, is to save his own soul. Just determined through hell or high water, to ascend to the pearly gates. And so, with angels and demons looming in the distance, the Justice League Dark is is given uh, a more a more um, solidified foundation within the uh, preternatural realm. Of the detective comics multiverse and as we find ourselves there we come to the, the plea yeah, go get the DC app it's awesome it's free you can get your graphic novels there why the hell not uh, or you can go to a graphic novel store because they rock and whether you want to like statues and stuff like that or you're just getting the issues hardcover softcover all that stuff is awesome to go through And who knows, you might find something from a completely different series that you you just gravitate towards, and it calls out to you. The same way that these different issues called out to me at various times in my life. It's the fun part of being alive, is that one thing can affect you one day, and then the next day have absolutely no effect, or vice versa. Something can have almost no effect, or absolutely no effect on you. And you come back to it another day, or another week, or another year, and it changes your life you won't you won't be able to allow that to happen unless and until you let it happen so go stumble upon a new graphic novel just for the hell of it your your life will, will, will use it heartily uh, it will impact you more than you realize until you realize it and then you'll have that blissful white lightning moment of an epiphany your, your eureka moment and you'll be able to move forward in your life towards whatever goal you set up, just that much having that much more of a clearer head, a little bit more focus. then also, you know, you put my name, Nick Antoine, and I see Space, A-N-T-O-I-N-E, Nick Antoine. Uh, you throw that bad boy into the search thing in uh, iTunes, and all the podcasts come up, everything: wonder Woman podcast and a, and a Lucifer podcast. And a Help laser podcast all about John Constantine and about vampires and one about quantum physics and there's, there's so much there's so much there there's one even about a a space satellite for ferrymen a like ferry cargo from Earth to Mars and beyond so there's all kinds of stuff there. go check it out and while you're there, give darker corners five stars why because you're you're a good person at heart or you're an evil person at heart and you should do the exact opposite of what your heart's telling you yes whether you're good or bad because if you're a bad person then why not do something cool for yourself something good for yourself something that's out of the ordinary you might see something good within you and if you're a good person you're not gonna listen to me saying to write something bad because that's not within your heart so yeah, go do something five star worthy. <clears throat> um anything else I wanna say about starring up the show? Um Darker corners Cast at gmail dot com. Darker corners cast, darker corners cast at gmail dot com. All lowercase, all one word. Seems like a lot, but it's really not. <laughs> at Darker Corners, capital D, capital C, at, Darker Corners, one word, that's the Twitter account, at Darker Corners, um, you know, is if you want to say anything or you want to update on anything, anything like that, anything at all, um, yes, but this is definitely set the stage. This particular issue, this informs a lot of the stories henceforth in Justice League Dark, whereas before this, it was more focused on Madame Xanadu and Satana. Um, there's still focal points and there's still really the founders, the founding members of the JLD, but we see here that it really was Constantine all along. All thanks to the Zero Issue, which this has been. It's been the JLD origin episode. The Zero Issue. I have been Nick Antoine. You have been the unwitting listener. Thank you for listening. Step into the dark.